This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 22nd of September 2023. And today on the show, we're talking all things Microsoft, new software, and big new hardware announcements as well. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hello, everybody. I am Stephen Scott. He is Sean Priest. You know, I was kind of getting into my TV intro style you there, you know, doing that whole, hey, everybody, hey, uh, welcome to the uh, TV. By the what way, I am TV on television. What TV show is that? Oh, I, yeah. I, I, did, I don't didn't know. I mention it. Mm. No. Uh, Access Tech Live. Sounds great. Okay. Uh, Access Tech Live. <laughs> I thought you were going to ask available. me when it was on. Um, I'm doing it. Available um, every Thursday live. An hour of live pan disability tech news and talk. It's we beautiful. are a huge fan of disability pans. Yes, um, we are. Deep pan, you can obviously. buy them from our website. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, we've got lots to talk about today on the show. Funnily enough, as we went to air on Access Tech Live yesterday, which, uh, just a reminder to the scheduling department at AMI, is on at the same time as uh, Double Tab. Just, uh, just putting that out there, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think you're cannibalising, but okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, we've got... <laughs> I way to make friends. Get on the phone. Um, but yeah, we were just going to air and then the news broke that Microsoft were releasing new hardware and also updated software features for Windows 11. And we already had known the event was coming. The only thing we didn't know was when the event was happening. We were a bit confused by that. It turned out that the event we thought would happen at 1pm Eastern, which was uh, roughly at 6pm here in the UK. Uh, in fact, it was exactly 6pm in the UK because that's what 1pm Eastern is. And... Um, it turned out that the event was actually hours earlier. It was we the it. release of the event on video uh, to the rest of us uh, that was actually happening at 1pm yeah. Eastern. So, yeah, we missed it. Um, well, strange, though, right? Because me yeah. and uh, Dr. Lord Robin here, we had a tech play date to watch this <laughs> together, the live event, you know, as often we do, which is great. And uh, then I just got a message from you saying, it's on now. Yeah. I wasn't ready. Oh, that's a surprise. Uh, Lord Robin Christofferson of All He Surveys is with Hello. us. He's back today. How are you Hi doing, guys. Robin? Are you, are you coffee fueled? Are you coffee? Are you coffee or tea? I'd love to have coffee, but it doesn't agree with me, and that's a recent thing. Oh, is that oh, a getting oh. old thing? Um, yes, yes, probably. Okay, yes, it so absolutely tea. is. Tea. Okay. okay, very very British of you. Very yeah. good. Well done. Um, I've got to say, you know, so last night my intention was to sit and watch the event with you guys. And then uh, I was reminded by my lovely wife that we were going out. We were going out last night to uh, see, let me uh, be very clear on this, a detective, a former detective mm. who uh, had put away lots and lots of serial killers. And he was doing a talk at a nearby uh, town hall. And so we were going to watch... This man tell us all about serial killers. I uh, I slept rather uh, nervously last night, if I'm perfectly honest. Why do all our partners love all that serial killer and terrible stuff? It is, we should be nervous, I think. Banking up information, you know? It's like Because well, this guy's like explaining the process and... You know, she wasn't quite taking notes, not at least in, on paper form. I'm pretty sure she was banking it all in her mind. <laughs> Sounds like a, a, a night class rather than a, a lecture. <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. It was very anyway, interesting, though. It was very interesting. Why did, you, 
why didn't you put your foot down? Say, no, I'm sorry. There is a tech event going on and I need to be there with yeah, my I mean, colleagues well, and friends. I would do, do, that do that for sure. I mean, Robin, you're in the same position, right? I mean, you would definitely, you would put your foot down oh, in a situation like that, wouldn't you? Yeah. <clears throat> no, I mean, Judith and I agree on everything. So um, we, you know, we'd be as, as one mind yeah. if we wanted to go and yes, see something. We saw Adam <laughs> That's right. the other day uh, live. Um, he of the This Is Going To Hurt uh, is it a documentary, but certainly a book. Um, yeah, that was really oh, good. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we usually agree on stuff. Oh, you're far uh, too educational, you lot, and cultured. I don't like it. I watch TV <laughs> and eat terrible food. <laughs> Quite right. Um, so, uh, yeah, I've got your voicemails for you about that, by the way. Uh, Monday's show is going to be, uh, yeah, another redemption of the Sean Day, but this Sean time in, in a different way. Sean of the Redemption. <laughs> This time it's personal. This time it's really <laughs> personal. Anyway, let's talk about Microsoft because that was the announcements uh, really that we were all focusing on uh, today. If, you, if I sound a bit tired today, it's because I am tired. Well, I'm very tired. We're all a little tired I think we're all today. A bit tired, I am. Aren't we? Yeah. What is dog lift up? Just oh, the energy high. Don't, hang on. The, the dog wasn't well, Sean. <laughs> yeah. Just so you know. Oh, no. Not yeah. mine, Robins. Lots Why is it always at 2 a.m.? 3. Oh, you just reminded me. Sorry, hang on. This is, and don't do this at home, ladies and gentlemen. Coco, I'm gonna I'm gonna give the dog. Coco, come. I'm gonna give the dog a biscuit. I actually put the biscuit in my pocket. That's and I love it. I love these biscuits because Coco, where are you? Um, are we are we actually dog. recording right now? Yes. <laughs> this is like a bone biscuit, bone shaped. I love this. Right. Do you want one of these? Do you want this? Hang yeah, on. That's called Sit. a bonio. Sit. Been around for about fifty years. Yeah, no, but I'm just. I'm just saying, it's actually embossed as well with the word Bonio. Oh, that's so cool. Do you know what I've got? Biscuit. Hang on. Coco. Oh, stay. sorry, let's listen. Stay. There you go. Good girl. Oh, here you go. Um, there we There's go. There's no that's... dog there. He's just wow. miming all this. There you go. It that's was so radio. quiet. That was kindness. I, that was kindness in its truest got... form. <laughs> I have got a box of Krispy Kreme dog donuts. No way. Yeah, they're just like. <laughs> donuts, but they're for the dog. It's amazing. Don't and get them mixed them. up, Sean. <laughs> do I don't know if I should nice. say this, but because Hugo's a step dog, these this is the new way of training. And when you first get them, you have to reward them at every curb. And yeah, you kind get of food all the off. time. Mm. So yeah, it's like every, I don't know, fifth or eighth curb now. But um, I don't give him his little dog food, which is what you're supposed to do, because then that's out of his daily food allocation. Because yeah. they're so oily these little pellets of food. So I give him little bone-shaped biscuits. They're called milk bones from oh, Sainsbury's. Yeah, those, They're yeah. so cute. They're tiny. Um, little mini, mini, mini bones. So, yeah. And he's okay with them? Because some dogs don't like those milk bones. He loves them. And, he loves and, them. and also, That's I just, want, sick, I, I was just to remind horrible. you, yeah, your dog was vomiting a lot last night. <laughs> Excuse, so me. Excuse me, people. Wondering. Gentlemen, gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> It's a dog show, honestly. What are we talking about here? Microsoft. Oh, yeah, that's right, Microsoft. Yeah, so they announced stuff. They announced stuff. Thank you, yes. And thanks for bringing us. I can't believe I said, I'm saying this. Thank you, Sean, for bringing us back on track. That's why I'm here. Yeah, so I think the dog's happy anyway. That's the good news. Uh, don't tell my wife, by the way. She doesn't like me giving the dog biscuits. But, you know, it's just in the little tiny biscuits in the shape like a bone. Anyway, so um, Microsoft. Now, I thought we'll get there, I promise. Uh, Microsoft announced... Windows 11, uh, 23H2. 23H2. I love Microsoft for two reasons. One, the hardware and the software is always brilliant, but 
you know, the, it is presented in the most boring fashion. I mean, <laughs> only they would come out with 23H2. It's the future, honest. Um, <laughs> but yes, the, we're not getting Windows 12. I thought we were going to see Windows 12 preview this time around. Lots of rumours, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I thought no. that might be the case. Uh, but no, instead, we just got some updates. And I see updates. Um, I read into the, the, the first article I read about this when I got back home last night. It said it had RAR support, R-A-R. And I'm thinking, is that, is that what I think it is? Is that support for that file format that you would used to have to go and get WinRAR for? You know, yes. the, the zip mm. file format? Yes. Is that is that a thing? Is that really is that a selling point in twenty twenty three? It's got oh, RAR come support. On. RAR files are they uh, superseded zip files, right? Yeah, yeah. And Windows has had built in zip support for ages. I still install WinRAR every time I uh, do a fresh install of Windows. First thing I put on. I remember how happy I was when they had native zip support. You could just create this folder, a new zip folder, whack everything in it, and it would just compress it. It was just a uh, Amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, that's good then. Is there much .rar out there? That's what I'm thinking, right? It's just it was a strange mm. thing to find in the headline, considering all the other stuff that was going on. Uh, it but does of course, seem a little bit out of date, I must say. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, but I will say that the, the one that stood out for me was, and I've, I've heard this rumoured for a while, is a new Outlook. And I, I know we're maybe skipping the big story here, which is, of course, AI, and I get that, and Copilot. And we'll, we'll, I promise you we'll talk about that, but I'm really interested in the, the meat and the bones of this. Sorry, not another one. You're not getting another one. Um, but I'm, I'm intrigued by this because the, a new Outlook, from what I read, is going to have a new design, which is basically Outlook.com in a web wrapper. Now, I have to say... Am I am I the only one that's a bit nervous about that from an accessibility mm-hmm. point of view? Yeah, think Teams guys, Teams mm. compared to a native app, and that's what we're talking about here, aren't we? We're talking HTML, we're talking you know interacting, uh, forms mode or scan mode, and all that kind of thing versus just solid focus, always in the place you intend it to be. It stays there. You can tab or F six to different parts of the app. Oh, I'm not looking forward to it at all. Hopefully, we'll still be able to use the old Outlook and Calendar, etc. I, I don't mm. know, though. Will that not go away? Is that not, that's the whole point, right? That mail and also Calendar will disappear. Now, I don't. I, I could be wrong here, but I don't think the new Outlook is going to replace the Outlook that exists for Office or what is it called, Microsoft Three Six Five? Now, the the Office Suite. That's what I'm hoping. I don't think it's going to change that. I think this is basically bringing mail and calendar apps together. So this is replacing them in the way that, for example, mail replaced Outlook Express. Mm-hmm. That's my take on it. I don't understand it. Doesn't this get confusing? It's like WhatsApp for me, WhatsApp desktop, WhatsApp on the web. I mean, why would you separate it out anyway? You either have Outlook. I mean, just call it Outlook Home and Outlook for business or something or for office. I, uh, this confuses me. i got to say, I'm not quite as worried because I'm not a fan of Outlook as is anyway. <gasps> I just find it really cumbersome, really clunky. What, the, the office one, the, the actual office suite one? Yeah, the actual Outlook that you're using right now. I mean, sometimes it can take, well, it feels like five minutes, but it can take a while to actually open up anyway. Um, and it, I don't know, it's just not a great experience for me using a screen reader. Let me put it that way. It just seems so cluttered. And yes, you can go through the settings and you can tinker to make it easier and nicer to use. But I still don't think it's a great 
email client. And you know what? I don't know what is. The built-in Windows Mail uh, client is okay, but it's still not great. Thunderbird, the last time I tried it, just kept crashing constantly on me. Why are, uh, Why is it that getting a usable email client seems so difficult? Well, just just on that, and I find this interesting because Leonie Watson, who has been on our show many a time, I think she's, she was on the old show with us quite a lot, and um, she's a wonderful person, knows all about web accessibility. She's a well-known face in the industry and talking about web accessibility, someone who, when she talks about inaccessibility, you listen because she knows what she's talking about. Yes. And uh, she was tweeting the other day about the fact that she was having trouble getting her outlook to work the way she wanted, and she was looking for an alternative mail client. And, you know, it kind of validated what I was thinking and the same as what you're saying. Now, funnily enough, when I used Outlook and I do use Outlook every day with JAWS and then I use it on the Mac as well with VoiceOver, I, um, out of the two, prefer using the Mac version of Outlook these days. Mm. The new Outlook on the Mac is so much easier to navigate. So when you're navigating around, you're just using Tab and Shift Tab to move between the tree view and the message list. It's so easy to navigate. Although... One major flaw, Apple, got to fix this. The calendar just will not show up. It just crashes the app completely. It just That'll goes be Microsoft, into... surely. They'll have it to fix be. that. Yeah. It must be, actually. I mean, I yeah. live in Outlook, and I absolutely love it. But um, it's a bit of a beast. You're absolutely right. But it's the only calendar I can really use. And um, On the I PC switch... side, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I switch everything off. I switch the folder view. Um, on the left, I turn that off. I turn off the reading pane, obviously. I use all hotkeys, you know, control Y can take you between your inboxes and that's stuff. That's the only thing I use. Yeah. yeah. That's the yeah. first thing I hit so, when I open it up. But it's a monster. It absolutely is. And it's also really archaic in its architecture. So it keeps everything in one .pst file. And if that corrupts, mm. goodbye archive, goodbye everything. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's it, it's definitely due an overhaul, whether the the built-in one would be a good replacement for kind of an enterprise. You know, it does a lot more than just email and calendar, et cetera. But so, yeah, I don't know. I, as long as the old one stays around. Just because it's in a web wrapper, right? Where you're immediately saying, okay, so it's just a web page, right? There's no, um, it doesn't necessarily lead to that it's going to be an accessibility nightmare. You know, it could have all the shortcut keys and everything and be <clears> fine. <throat> the, the problem I've got is that, Still, I find these, what do you call them? The universal Windows apps, you know, the, the apps yep. that you get from the Windows store. Not not all the time, but most of the time, they're not great. They feel clunky. It's a different way to to navigate around and the way we interact. And I'm, I thought, you know what? It's just a different way and I'll get used to it. Um, but I'm still not. It still doesn't feel right to me to you know, expand or collapse for more settings. That still feels wrong to me. And I know we're going to talk about this later on, but in the in Windows now, when you right-click on something, instead of a sub-menu, it's pop-up menu. And it's just those little things. It's, I don't know. I don't like it. There you go. I've said it. Well, I just want to add one other important point here, which I think I'd, I'd be intrigued to hear other people's take on this, because when I started using NVDA, and I'm now going between. In fact, it was funny the other day. I think you were on the call with me and I couldn't get something to work. I was trying to invoke the JAWS layer. So I was insert space. I was trying to enact the uh, the volume uh, split so that I split could have saying, it yeah. you know, balanced so I can have it left and right. Uh, me on the left or, or you on the left and then the, the voice on the, the right. And um, I couldn't get it to work. I'm thinking, what's wrong here? And I was using a different keyboard. I was using my new G915 Logitech, and I thought, I was convinced that was the insert key at the top right there, or, you know, on the keyboard. Where, where is this? 
And then I was like, I wonder, just for a second, I thought, hang on, what screen reader am I using? <laughs> I thought that was on NVDA. Wow. And because, because I use Eloquence on both, I got completely confused. And the computers obviously decided, I must have said it this way, that NVDA takes the lead when it opens up. So I was actually using NVDA, and I was none the wiser. And that's interesting to note. Navigating, Until, doing what I was doing, completely yeah. unaware. Until that moment. But, you know, I was looking for a specific JAWS command, so that's why I, I noticed it. But here's the thing. When you use Outlook with NVDA, it is one heck of a lot more verbose. Yeah, yeah. Way more verbose than the than the JAWS edition. Because, of course, JAWS, I guess, and, and there has been additional scripts built, of course, for all that to make... Suppressing a yeah, lot. Yeah, it suppresses a yeah. lot. And there's a lot you can do with the add-ons, but there's nothing I've found yet which really cuts down a lot of that verbosity, especially when you're navigating through the different messages. You get so much information about the group view that you're in, whether it's today, you know, last week... Oh, I turned that off. Yeah. That was terrible. I can't for the life of me remember how I did that because I want to do it on my other laptop. Well, that would be good yeah. actually to know how to that, do that because that's the that's the biggest annoyance for me with NVDA and Outlook. Can I say one brief thing to what um, mm. Sean was saying earlier? So the web apps, I mean, office.com. So anyone that's using Microsoft for, you know, SharePoint and sharing files internally, et cetera, you'll get an email from a colleague and it'll have uh, a file that they've been working on and you um, hit enter on the link in the email. So it's not attached or anything. It's, you know, it's a link in an email now to a, to a SharePoint place. Mm. And it opens it up in office.com. So you're in the office.com, you know, the web version of Word or Excel or whatever it is. And with JAWS, it's application mode. Um, and it's supposed to feel, you know, if it's an Excel file, then you can arrow around and it will say the cell coordinates and stuff. But all the ribbons at the top, all the controls, everything is a web controls. And I just cannot use it. I've tried for many years. I cannot use it. Top, top tip. As soon as you've opened that up, close the browser and Throw go to the native away. app. <laughs> like say you've just opened a <laughs> Word doc, open the, the Word doc um, native app on your computer and in the front stage, no, backstage view, whatever it is, that, that view that comes worse, up by yeah. default, tab to recent files and it'll be the top one. So, oh, cool. Yeah. And then you're op- that's, the, that's ah, the way okay. to get to it. Because otherwise, you know, you're having to kind of, well, I, don't, I, I can't even find out how to download half the time so that I can get a native version of it. But if you want to work on the live version that everyone else is working on, but natively. So, yeah, open it up in that horrible office.com browser close it instantly and then open up the the native one and it'll be the the most recently open file do you do you guys ever feel and and, and you know i love my analogies right but i often sometimes feel that you know using an application um it's a bit like going to your local town centre. You know, you know it, you, you know where everything is, you know, where the, you know roughly where all the stores are. Yeah, okay, maybe some's changed. Okay, fine. But, you know, at least you know the, the general layout. But, you know, you go onto an, a web view of something and it's like you have to every single time when you open it, go to a different country, which is a different culture, a different language, a different experience. And you have to learn all this over again. And it's like you say with the ribbon menus and all that stuff. I just, I, I feel, personally, I get a little bit exhausted by it all. I just feel it's like, I just want to get this done. And, you know, it's, it's mm-hmm. funny because we've been doing a lot of work for TV and they've been using Teams. And, of course, everyone uses Teams. 
And I was just like, please, could someone just open a Google Doc and just put the text in there for me? Please, could you just do that for me? Because I could use Google Docs. I like it. It's simple. I can get the information. I can collaborate. And, you know, of course, everyone's AMI is brilliant because they'll, of course, do that. But a lot of companies would say, no, no, this is how we do it. And, um, you know, that that would just be terrifying. Although, I mean, Teams is less. I suppose I got out of the way of using Teams when I left RNIB. I was using it every day over there, um, and I got used to it, and I was actually starting to get to like it. But, of course, it, has, it is a behemoth of an app, oh, and it's, it's just growing all the time, you know? Yeah. It is an ecosystem. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah, it, was, it is. It was awful. I remember when we were using it, Stephen, we had, well, I had major issues. Exactly the same thing as um, Robin said there. You would it's try and really open the document, and it would open it in, in the app, if you like, and there was nothing you could do with it. No. So, no am I allowed right. to plug some scripts? Please. For yeah. Teams. So Brian Hartgen, brilliant scripts for Teams. Um, teams is accessible, but not usable. Not very usable anyway. So this adds on an awful lot of additional keystrokes and just general behavior. Um, reduces a lot of verbosity because there's a lot of repetition and extra information. So the Brian Hartgen scripts for Teams, but even better than the scripts are the nine plus hours of MP3 tutorials that go through everything about teams and how to use it so that you know nine hours of how to use this beast uh, you know something I, awful lot. you know me right you know and you know what i'm gonna or you think you know what i'm gonna say here right which is nine hours well listening to stuff oh dear the the, the inhumanity <laughs> but actually i think i'm growing up to this that actually i'm getting a bit fed up skirting around the edges of some of this tech i just yeah. want to use it and i want to use it properly right. and Brilliant. You know, I feel I, I think it's my braille class that's teaching me to focus a little bit because you have to, otherwise you won't learn anything. And I think, you know, I'm actually starting to get to the stage of saying, okay, maybe I have to invest that kind of level of time. Now, of course, the script you're talking about, I believe, would be paid from yeah. from Brian and and, and uh, that. But and again, jewels, right? We should say, just yes, in case and this for right. jaws. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, this won't work if you were NVDA. You'd have to be a jaws user. But look, I mean, I, I agree with you. These scripts are worth it. I was a little bit hesitant. Uh, and I always was a little bit hesitant of these scripts because to me, it was like layering upon layering upon layering. And it just took one, because there's so many, it's like a house of cards, isn't it? And, you know, one thing changes by Microsoft and suddenly the whole house of cards collapses. Is it the script that's at fault? Is it JAWS that's at fault? Is it Office that's at fault? Is it the computer? You know, there's so many problems that suddenly you can be overwhelmed by this just doesn't work anymore. But actually, it kind of does, and the script is getting in the way. But I, I'm kind of getting to the stage of feeling that, you know, that might just be a little bit of an excuse not to use it. And actually, the benefit outweighs the risk of, of that happening. I think we're talking enterprise use, really, because, you know, you only really have to use Teams in earnest in a yeah, yeah. workplace situation. And so they would be paying. So, yeah. But but, but there is that one, home version of Teams as well, right? That's built in. I don't, is that still I staying? Yeah, Windows. Yeah, C. and that's Windows yeah. it's called yeah. Teams, right? <laughs> I don't think it's. I don't think it's meant for that. I'm not sure. Right. Okay. But certainly, one of the items that is added to the Insert H menu in when you're in Teams is to update the scripts. So he he's constantly keeping them updated. So, can I just say though, right? Just to play devil's advocate, isn't that a failure in interface design? If you, if you need nine hours, look, of course, there's always deeper levels to anything, but don't you think it, it shouldn't? It should just be easy enough to get the concept of how an app works. Surely, it's just so complicated. There's so much on the screen, and for people to just roam their eyes around and think, "Oh yeah, that's what I want. I'll click on that." Would take seventeen tabs and enter 
and uh, you know, write arrow three times and enter again or something. Yeah, but were you say so, anyway? Yeah, that's how but you the is, thing about teams is that you're in a you're in a meeting. You're time pressured. Yeah. People are talking. Um, mm. You know, you need to be able to bring up that. You want to get to the chat panel. You want to get. Yeah. You want to read the slides. So you want to pressured. enjoy. It. You want to take part yeah. in that conversation that's going on over on the side. You know, there's a documents you have to read at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I get it. I mean, I, when, when I was in those situations, and you know, it kind of annoys me that I didn't stay with teams in, in some ways because I, I uh, lost a lot of my knowledge on that. I think with, um, and of course, the problem is with it being updated as much as it has it's been. It's changed even going back. so much. Yeah, it changes. I mean, in the time, I remember when the the pandemic began and lockdown started here in the UK. Everyone moved to Teams, and as a, as a team, R and I B, we moved very quickly to using it. We were adopting it at that point, and everyone was kind of getting used to it. But it always, but it was all a bit slow. We weren't really using it on a day to day basis. We were beginning to, and then, bang, lockdown hits. Suddenly, everything is on Teams, and very quickly we had to get used to this. And at the beginning, it wasn't particularly accessible. There was a lot of challenges with it. And they put a heck of a lot of work in. But apparently in the time of the year, the first year of lockdown, 150 updates came through yep. to that single app. 100, I mean, just get that in your head, 150 like, updates just yeah. to that, and that one app. that hasn't stopped. No. <laughs> it might have, you know, reduced a little bit, but no. Well, that was fixing a lot of it, right? That was probably fixing it, Updating listening and, to yeah. feedback, getting it right, getting accessibility right as well. And, you know, we have to praise them for this. I mean, you think about it, this is, tr- this is like trying to make the internal engine of a 747 jet you know accessible to blind people you know through keystrokes it's not it's not very easy and they've managed to achieve it to a degree um i I would say that these scripts maybe just add that deeper level i think that's fair to say because it is accessible it's just that the scripts give you easier access and less verbosity controls in the same way that an nvda add-on would um so I, i i kind of feel if I was using this all, and I am using it more and more, I'm using Teams more and more these days, maybe I will invest in that kind of scripting because I, I too would like to be able to do it without all that verbosity and extra noise. Um, but this is something which, I mean, again, I think this is something that even Freedom Scientific could work on. You know, they could build that in as well. They are good at doing that. They do build their own specific script for apps as well. Mm-hmm. You know, and and if you've got WhatsApp, ideas... You know? Then submit yours to the next big thing competition. That's yeah, we don't talk underway. about that here. We don't talk about yeah. that here. Yeah. Sorry. No. No, not available no. No, in Canada. Canada. No, oh, Canada. Sorry. Boom. No, it's, it's fine. You can, if you're in the <laughs> US, UK, uh, Australia. Australia, I think that's uh, it. Uh, other places. Yes. Um, so, yeah, Windows 11 update coming 26th of September. So, you'll get a new update. This new uh, 23H2 update is coming. Oh, that is so funny, right? So my voiceover screen reader must have heard me. It's just used the words. In fact, it's gone very quiet, which is kind of worrying me. Um, but it's <laughs> it was talking a second ago. Um, but it just said software update. I hope it's not about to do it. Um, oh. but yeah. Bye, Stephen. <laughs> it was a great show, guys. Uh, but yeah, Windows 11 update, sorry, Mac, uh, is coming on September 26th. And of course, we'll add all these new features we're talking about, including... And this is the big story everyone's excited about, Windows Copilot. Now, Robin, you're closer to Windows, I guess, and closer to, I guess, the need for, yeah, I'm okay, the need for this. What's your take on what this uh, Copilot will do? And, and try and explain it in a way that, well, maybe I should ask uh, ChatGPT to do this, <laughs> ask it to explain it in a way that, is, that a five-year-old could understand. And uh, just for clarity, I'm the five-year-old. So, <clears throat> Copilots, there's more than one, um, are 
basically the interface that they've kind of chosen for the particular task, but I think it can also just be like a text. You can just type in questions and stuff. Um, that will interface with ChatGPT because we know that Microsoft have a big share in chat in OpenAI. Um, and it will do clever things in the background and help you with, for example, the co-pilot that will be, that will be built into 23, uh, 2003. 2023 yeah h2 um will help you ex uh, expose files um do you know do change your settings basically customize your windows experience um and the ones that are built into the other office apps will do specific things to help with i don't know data crunching in your spreadsheet and that sort of thing so um these co-pilots are an interface using ai to help you get more out of Windows, out of your apps, and um, yeah, AI, AI all the way. Yeah, so they're going to bring it to the desktop on Windows 11. Um, the same Bing chat feature. Uh, it will appear as a sidebar in Windows 11, allowing you to control settings on your PC, launch apps, or just answer queries. And it's integrated across the operating system, as, as you've just said, um, using Copilot, for example, write text messages using data from your calendar, navigation options in Outlook, and more. Um, yeah. <laughs> wow, the enthusiasm is uh, well, quite astounding. It is, it is kind of fascinating, but I, I also think, um, I, I, I suppose I'm thinking what the same thing I thought when I first got ChatGPT, which was, well, what will I do with this? You know, I'm, I'm an average user. What am I going to do with this? Look, stick around. We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of this. This is uh, Double Tap. Connect with the Double Tappers on social media now, on Twitter and Facebook at Double Tap On Air, and on Mastodon at Double Tap. We're breaking down all the big Microsoft announcements that came out yesterday, and uh, Robin Christofferson's here, Sean Priest is here, I'm Stephen Scott, hello. Uh, let's get yeah. back into it. So you were just about to uh, jump in there, Robin, we were talking about the new Bing chat feature, which is essentially Windows Copilot appearing across Windows 11. Sean's not so sure. I'm not so sure about the the function of this. What's your take? So we've all used ChatGPT or, you know, its equivalents to ask it crazy stuff, to get it to write us poems and all these kind of things. But imagine you could ask it to do something useful with the stuff that you're using, whether it's your OS or, you know, Word or whatever it might be, that's far more useful. So I think that's what we're talking about here. So when we go back to the earlier conversation about how complicated apps are, I don't know about you, but I've never got to grips with the ribbon in any of the Office apps. And no. the ribbon is popping up in more and more apps across Windows now. Um, even the virtual ribbon that JAWS recreates, I just can't get on with it. I think I've mentioned in the past about Control-Q. Control-Q takes you up to this quick search. And if you want to find a deeply you know, hidden option within the app that you're using, then just type that and there's a drop down and you can find, oh yeah, okay, there's the resend message one or whatever it might be, or the uh, turn on track changes. Um, and you but can you, just you have to know what that. you're looking for. That's the problem, mm, right? Well, you kind of know, okay, how on earth do I, you know, toggle track changes or whatever mm. it might be. Then this you is just, just Word though, right? Uh, this, any, you can't any of use the Office Control suite. Q in, in uh, File Explorer, for example, right? Or, or uh, Well, no, not yeah. the same. But I mean, no. I'm hoping with the copilot so basically the copilot will be a text search box on steroids so that's what i'm hoping i'm hoping i can say you know 
Because in PowerPoint, I can never find out how to change the template of the document. You know, I can see when I run the PowerPoint show that the footer is wrong. It's got the wrong date in it or it's the wrong event or something like that. I cannot for the life of me get to it. So I'm, you know, will I be able to say, uh, you know, do the hotkey for the copilot in PowerPoint, um, change the footer to this. And it just happens. I would love that. That would save me man hours every month uh, faffing around. So yeah, stuff like that, all the kind of stuff that you don't do every day and that is really wobbly. I would love that. So I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm not going to just be using it, you know, the, the power of chat GPT or of these big, large language models to do, you know, funny stuff or to write some web articles, um, about technology. I didn't say that out loud, um, for, <laughs> for my day job. Um, but I will actually be using it to be productive. So, yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. You said I wasn't sure, Stephen, and I, I, there is an aspect I'm not sure about. But for me, this is just the the um, if Clippy, the paperclip, and Cortana got together, this is the result. And right? this is the child that they had. This is yes, but on on super genius pills because yes, because the child is smarter than the parents, right? Correct, absolutely. <laughs> but it's that sort of thing. And Robin, you're absolutely right. It's it's because it's context aware. It knows what you're doing, what you're looking at. Um, some of the demos given was you know if they they copied or at least copied to the clipboard some text from an email and it was able to, you know, ask questions about that and and um, sort through and make it much easier to understand some of those um, points in the email. And it's that sort of thing. This could be groundbreaking to how we use a computer, even if we just take it from system settings and things like that and take away the actual app side of it or browsing the web, you know, make this web page easier to understand for me, which I would use a lot, something like that. That's great. But just being able to type, you know, um, uh, whatever it may be, uh, turn on dark mode or, or uh, change how uh, what happens when I close the lid of my laptop. Things like that could be really powerful for us. The only thing I'm not sure about is how easy it's going to be used uh, to be used by screen reader users. Fingers crossed. Well, yeah, I mean, we'll see, right? But I, I would imagine this is something that Microsoft will be on top of. I'd Certainly hope. But yeah, but we just had that big discussion about Teams yeah. and how difficult it is. Technically accessible, uh -huh. but if I've got to spend an hour navigating around the results there and it's not presented in a nice, easy-to-access way, I've got a problem with that. Plus, do I need to type in every time? Can I not use a, a voice command? You can. I think at least for the Windows Copilot, because it was talking about it being like your voice assistant as well. But um, I didn't. That doesn't I imagine... necessarily mean you can ask it in your voice, though. But it's saying it's like your voice assistant just means it's getting the answers for you. It didn't mm -hmm. mean that you can actually talk to it. I don't mm -hmm. think they actually pointed that out. You know, I, I know this is something you've talked about a lot, Robin, at your in your day job at AbilityNet, and you've talked about AI and accessibility and how AI can help in the workplace. Now, what you were talking about there with the ability to query things. I mean, you know, the, the capability here is going to be massive, right? Instead of and this is my think this is how I think it might work, right? So instead of having to dig into settings to find something or perhaps dig through even your email inbox for something, you could just say, find me that email, you know, that I read I wrote about X at some point in the past, and it'll go off and do the work and, and you know surface Twitter. that information for you. Yeah. What was that tweet I sent back then or whatever? Or even you know, create a tweet for something. I think that's where it's going to become powerful, right? It's not 
just around the edges. It'll actually be integrated across Windows. And that actually could be good for accessibility because it will take a lot of that deep searching, all of those challenges we've talked about away in theory. Yeah. We're going back to the command line. I love it. Yeah. You know, you just type in what you want and you get the result, hopefully in an accessible format. But no, I mean, data privacy is obviously a huge question mark here. And I think we're going to get onto the hardware. And, you know, the, the hardware that they're talking about has got its own NPU, neural processing unit, so mm. that a lot of stuff can be done on device. But what will happen with your data that the all these different co-pilots are going to be crunching? Because, you know, if it's um, if any of it's going up to the cloud to use the large language model capabilities, is it going to be adding to their data set? Will your confidential information from your organizations, you know, from your hard drive or whatever it might be, or from OneDrive, which is shared across the, you know, the company, um, be appearing in other people's generated responses? You know, they, they're going to have to be thinking about this. But if it's only limited to yours, then will it benefit from what it knows from the large language model in the cloud? So I'm really interested to know how they're dealing with data. Not sure if they mentioned it, they, did they, about security um, in the presentation. So I'd love to see about that. Um, also, if it's just on your data, so imagine you've got, you know, as an organization, you've got a bunch of stuff in OneDrive, SharePoint, maybe, uh, you know, Google Docs, et cetera. Can it then look across that big lake of information and, and search right across that and come back with information that's just based on your organization's data, um, hopefully with you know less hallucinations and bias and stuff that we're seeing due to the large language models that they're being based on at the moment, you know, where they're scraping the internet and the internet's not a great place when it comes to discrimination and bias and safe, you know, a safe space for corporate data so yeah but i think that's the point right mm. that it's, it's actually making or potentially making the website or the web easier to use now this could be a good and a bad thing i think back to the days when um what was it screen recognition came along on the iphone and there was a lot of people including us who said does this therefore take the responsibility or let let's just say it, you know, let developers away with inaccessibility because if the screen recognition on iPhone is able to see an unlabeled button and figure out what that button is and tell you what that button is, then there's no fix required from the web developer. And, you know, we could find that inaccessible websites become a problem and more of a problem, but actually the AI can be a way to circumvent that. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? We're actually having this very discussion with DQ that do the Axe um, automated checking uh, system that help developers create more accessible code. That we're talking about AI on a webinar on the twenty sixth when H two comes out. Yeah. Um, all about how much AI will be able to help developers create more accessible code, help these overlays like accessibility etc. Actually, be much better in patching in accessibility that have you know that you encounter on the user's end um and whether that's even a good thing you know just like you were saying about screen recognition and image recognition on ios that's really helpful when you encounter inaccessibility in apps or unlabeled images etc um but is that like you were saying abrogating the responsibility of the developers uh because they know oh well you know iPhone's really clever. It does this thing. So it's not quite such a priority for us. So yeah, looking forward to that discussion. I've got the answer. 
I can save you the webinar and everything. It's fine. Um, yes, it, it lets them off the hook. But at the end of the day, who cares? Um, we've given humans a chance and they've not picked up on it. They've wow, there's, it, a, there's a line for the ages. Is, is that, given is that, humans just a turn chance. the lights off on your way out. <laughs> Let computers stay. Look, I, I'm thinking of web accessibility. WordPress really had a major impact on making the web more accessible because yeah. of the accessibility that they built in to the framework there. If we left it just to the, the individual webmasters, web developers, we would still be in pretty much the same uh, position. Of course, accessibility is more talked about than it ever has been. But I, I, I was talking to a company just yesterday and I was told accessibility, oh, yes, we understand your frustration. Do you want us to put this down as a feature request? <laughs> it's not a feature request. It's what your software should just be. And I, you know what, if, if this AI, if there's a process where you can just make code as you're compiling it, as you're building it, check it for accessibility. You know, something as simple as just labeling buttons, any elements that are, have their default labels, pick them up on that. Don't let the compile finish. If AI can help with that, I'm all for it. Because in the end of the day, it makes it accessible and I can use it. Now, there's a risk here that we are turning into a very, very uh, grown up and sensible conversation on this topic. So I want to move away from that wow. and uh, get back to the uh, the nonsense. More bi- more biscuits. No, uh, shh, don't say that, actually, because I shall come running through. Um, <laughs> poor dog. Uh, I want to talk about the hardware before we go, because we haven't really touched on that yet. And there's some big news there. Uh, so the, the first big announcement was the Surface Laptop Go 3. Uh, which uh, is a really nice little laptop. I mean, I I've, think I've had my hands on this one. I know I had a hands-on 14-inch one. I had one for a little while. No insert key, though, just saying. Um, but yeah, 12.4-inch <sighs> touchscreen display uh, with a 3 by 2 aspect ratio, 720p webcam, USB port, USB-A port, a 3.5mm headphone jack, and a Surface hey. Connect port. And there's also a fingerprint sensor built into the power button. This is the MacBook Air of Microsoft, right? So Surface Laptop Go 3. However, internally, uh, it hasn't always been the most well-powered. I mean, the previous version for memory was running a Pentium Gold processor as one of its options. So, you know, not ideal. Uh, This year, though, it gets the last year's 12th gen Intel chip with a core i5 processor. There's a bump in RAM as well. On the base model, you can now go between 8 gig or 16 gig. Previously, it started at 4 um, plus up to, and wait for this, this is the bit that confuses me here, This definitely thinking this is a cloud device, 256 gig of storage is the max you can put in this. I'm quite surprised by that, actually. Um, I mean, they're trying to keep the thought- price down, right? They're saying 799 US dollars, going up to 999. Um, what, what makes the difference to 999? What, what's the spec bump there? Is that in processor, in RAM? Yeah, I, th- I think it's going from i3 with uh, 8 gig and 256 to 16 gig i5 and 256. So that's the one to go for, for screen reader users, definitely. Absolutely. But yeah. I, I just think... Um, yeah, I could have really done with a 512 gig or, you know, even the option of maybe up to a terabyte on that. But I guess maybe they're pushing people towards the, the other devices for that. Maybe the Surface Pro will, will cover that. But we didn't see one of those at this stage. 512, though, that is the baseline. Now, that is the entry level when it comes to SSDs. It used to be 120, then that moved up to two, whatever it is, 240 maybe. Um, for me, 240 is more than enough most of the time, to be honest. Um, as long as I've got access to an external hard drive at some point for archiving, um, that's fine. But yeah, it does seem a little bit stingy. 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's really important to put as much in the cloud as possible. And if you've got decent bandwidth, then all of these providers, you know, Dropbox, OneDrive, et cetera, have the option of um, keeping them all on there, but you can sort of see them all on your computer. It's like they're there, but as soon as you hit enter, they have to download. Yeah. So if you've got decent bandwidth and you're not talking about great big video files and stuff, then that's, you know, two, three seconds, something like that. But to all intents and purposes, they are on your computer. But what happens if you lose your computer or it dies? You've still got them all. So I would definitely recommend going down the cloud option, saving as little on your computer as possible. But it depends on the use case. Like you say, if you're, you know, working with a lot of temporary files related to a video project, you don't want those going up and down to the cloud. You want to do that locally. So, yeah, it depends what you're doing. Um, also, uh, not announced at the event, but there was a new Surface Go 4 announced just afterwards, um, which is interesting. This is the uh, Surface Portable, uh, but this time strictly for enterprise consumers. It packs a 10.5-inch touchscreen, a 1080p selfie camera, uh, an 8 megapixel rear camera and a kickstand. So it's like a small version of the Surface Pro. Um, but it's, uh, like I say, it's only going to be available to business. And uh, they're weird. suggesting hospitals might be a place that uh, want to buy these in. Um, so that's quite interesting. Also, Surface Laptop Studio 2. Um, that is the big one that everyone's talking about, of course, because it has the, well, it's basically the bells and whistles, right? That's the MacBook Pro killer, yes. as it's being nicknamed <laughs> at the moment. And uh, they even did a demo on stage, putting it up against the MacBook Pro. And what they did was they used this app called Blender, which I think is some kind of 3D modeling tool or something. And um, it, it was put up against it. They, they made this machine do the same task on the MacBook Pro and uh, the the new Mac, uh, laptop studio completely blew out of the water by about a minute, minute 10 or something in terms of speed. So, you know, clearly it's a very powerful machine, but, you know, you're talking here in terms of configurations, you're starting at 16 gig, you're going all the way up to 64 gig of RAM, you're running the very latest 13th gen processors, uh, you're going to also get better graphics. The base level one comes with your average Intel Iris XE graphics, uh, which is the one I was most interested in. So I thought if I wanted that, I'd probably just go for that. I don't care about the graphics. But you can go up to the brand new NVIDIA GeForce 4050 or 4060 chips. Now, we did uh, get some rumors on that before the event, and uh, that certainly has held out to be true. And it's up to one terabyte in terms of storage as well. Prices start uh, around two, I think two thousand three hundred dollars, two thousand two hundred dollars, something like that, US. So, yeah, it, it's a very powerful machine, definitely built for the pros. I don't think this is one I'll be particularly interested in from a you know from a consumer perspective. I don't think I'd buy one of these, but I would definitely be interested in that Surface laptop. But, but I just wish it had a bit more um, more SSD oomph. space in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, oomph is fine. It's got oomph, just it's doesn't have much space. What, an i5 tops? I mean, it's enough for basic tasks, but, you know, i7 would be nice. i9 even. But the big story wasn't really about the hardware in that sense. It was more about the hardware built in and the trackpad in particular. And this is where accessibility got a mention. Accessibility got a mention. We love um, you, accessibility. Yeah, it's the best thing in the world, little guy with the arms stretched out. Um, <laughs> it was great. And uh, that's a symbol for accessibility, isn't it? Is it? I don't, Is it not no, a wheelchair? I don't, I don't know. No, that's disability. Is Come it not on, a man Robin, with eh? a white stick? Come on, Robin, you're not inclusive. Um, <laughs> I've never seen any of them. I think it's a, I think I, I was told it's a, a guy or a, 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 who knows, a person, let's say a person stretched out 
I don't know what that means. I don't know. Stretched out what? The rack. <laughs> Embracing everyone in an inclusive future. Exactly. I think that was ah. the, see, You see, Robin, that's why you're here, right? You, you bring the sense. Um, but yeah, the inclusive trackpad. This was interesting. So for people who have, uh, and in the case of the demonstration, someone who had missing fingers, how would you, in that situation, use a touchpad, a trackpad? And uh, we've, got, we've got some audio from the event to, to play in on this to explain how it will all work. We are proud to announce that it is the most inclusive touchpad on any laptop today. Solomon from our inclusive design team is here to share more. Thank you, Brett. I was born without fingers on my left hand, and that has caused me to use my right hand for double duty my entire life, and it's wearing out. I'm developing issues that most folks get later in life, arthritis, repetitive stress injuries, and a weaker grip. To rest my right hand, I need to move activities to the left. Mousing is a struggle. Touchpads don't respond to my left hand. As I move my hand across the touchpad, the cursor does not. This is a barrier. As a mobile professional, I can't carry an entire ergonomic setup with me everywhere I go. It forces me and others dealing with similar disabilities to just work through the pain. But for the first time ever, this new precision haptic touchpad makes it possible for people like me to use a laptop in the way that is most natural to us. I toggle on adaptive touch, and all of a sudden, it responds to my hand. I can even re uh, resize the right-click region to turn the touchpad into a large two-button mouse. I cried the first time I got to use this, because as a product maker, it showed me the amazing things we can do when we include the disability community. And as a member of that community, it was amazing to see myself reflected in the products that we make. Now, the adaptive touchpad features are only the latest advancement in accessibility we've made in the last year. Our adaptive pen grips also make it easier for people to physically interact with their devices. Voice access provides a touchless experience. The Microsoft Adaptive Accessories and Copilot reduce the number of clicks and keystrokes necessary to complete a task. We are empowering people to use their devices in ways we never could before. Thank you. Thank you, Solomon. You know, I am not surprised he cried. I am not. You know, you know often you hear these things and you think that's just marketing. I know that wasn't marketing. That was his real reaction to that. You know it was. I mean, first off, I've interviewed Solomon. He's a great guy. And you, I, I just think what this shows is ultimately, this is what happens when you have disabled people who work in your organization. When you employ disabled people, you get that first-hand experience as, as, as co-workers, as people who work with disabled people, you get to know and learn about how the disability actually impacts your life. And it allows you to think about solutions. And this is powerful stuff because it really, I mean, that is just such a, literally a toggle switch in a, in a setting. And he is now able to do something he's never been able to do before instantly. Yeah, I, I'm blown away by that. I am genuinely blown away by that. 
Absolutely. I mean, that seems so sincere, that presentation, yeah. right? Definitely. I mean, more diverse teams make for better products. There's absolutely no doubt about that at all. I'm just hoping this isn't just on those Surface laptops, though, because I think it must be software. It feels like it's basically toggling off the the sort of palm rejection that the software does so that in case, you know, when you're typing, you accidentally touch. So it's accepting a much bigger touch area to be considered a a fingertip, as it were. So, yeah. Mm. um, They did mention it uses... It uses that NPU processor you were talking uh, about earlier on. It's all about do need to have the AI. So uh, I think it is on this one only at the moment. Um, and actually, you know, he also said something in there which I thought was quite interesting about adaptive accessories because, of course, they did bring out all those adaptive accessories, uh, which you know, yes, of course, they are kind of built, I guess, for people who have a limb difference. But actually, for a lot of us, we could use this as well. And this could be another way to perhaps manage co-pilot. Just thought that was interesting. He dropped that in there. So mm. I'd like to think about how that might work. Um, but I, I just think this is great. I mean, it leads to a really interesting conversation about the inclusion of all of this and how it works. But, you know, the fact is that this is, is making a really interesting product. Now, I, I do want to just finish up on this point because one thing I wasn't clear on at all is how much hardware is required to make all these features work. So let's think about the Windows AI Copilot and all of that stuff. How how much hardware is required? So, you know, do I just chuck this Lenovo here? Do I just say, right, that's it, bye-bye, and then I go and buy a Surface <laughs> Laptop Studio and hope for the best? Because obviously it's going to have all the hardware in it to manage this. It's NPU you're talking about. You know, I don't think that's got one of those in it. Um, I, I thought it had a 4G SIM card tray, and apparently it doesn't. So, you know, it's probably not got an NPU in there. You've lost that SIM card. You've just shoved it inside, haven't you? I shoved you? it into the machine. <laughs> I don't port. even think it was the tray. <laughs> but I can't get the SIM card out. Help, Lenovo, help. I, What's I that? Know. You're not taking my calls? Oh, okay. I don't know the answer to that. But AI has moved a lot now to a more localised system. You know, you can download AI in a box almost and try this stuff out um, totally isolated. It does sort of limit the, the possibilities of it. But I don't know if it is just purely hardware limited. I'm hoping because it said, you know, coming with 23H2 Mm. at the end of September, it didn't say only coming on these devices. So I'm really, really hoping that whatever qualified you to run Windows 11, for example, that TPM2 chip and stuff like that um, will be the base requirement for this. But yeah, who knows? You might get a cut down version. Maybe it would have to do everything on the cloud rather than some local stuff. I don't know. I do think that's... Probably a reality because look, a lot of people are not going to be using the latest hardware and won't be, especially when it comes to business, right? I mean, what business is in a three or a five year cycle of replacement with hardware? So, you know, you're probably finding they're not ready to do any upgrades yet. But, you know, what it will do, and I think this is maybe what Microsoft are hoping for in, in the Surface division at least, is that, you know, it'll maybe encourage business to consider the Surface lineup, you know, rather than Dell or HP or others, right? Well, because I, I- you get all that functionality. Actually, thinking about it, the Copilot has been available for a good couple of months in the developer's um, level of the beta program on Windows 11, and there's been no limitation on the hardware for that. So I think it will be available for anyone running Windows 11. It's an interesting conversation for sure, but uh, yeah, we'll continue it and uh, hear more about these announcements and, of course, get hands-on with all of this on uh, the 26th of September, hardware permitting, of course. Uh, October 3rd is when you'll get these new laptops. I was on the pre-order site last night. I'm thinking, 
what do I want? Do I want one of these? I, I was tempted. I kind of just wanted <laughs> the Surface Laptop Go. That I'd really like. I just wish it had a bigger drive. I'd probably just buy one of those. Anyway, um, that's it for today. Uh, Express is back tomorrow. Some big interviews coming up tomorrow. Uh, you're going to hear uh, all about Datability. Fantastic app. Uh, if you are uh, someone who's disabled and want to go dating, uh, then there's an online app for you. Also, uh, a more full and more rounded demo. Uh, I did actually, I recorded this earlier in the week. Uh, I talked about the Capsa Smart Vision 3. Full demo on the Express tomorrow. Plus all the news with Mr. F. Sean, catch you then. Robin, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.